Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Four Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're moving on to our third division of my Who Are They series, the NFC South. <laughs> So, in case you guys are new here, what I do is I go team by team, position by position, and give a breakdown of the roster, while also asking questions that I want to see answered this year. At the end of the breakdown, I give a pessimistic and then an optimistic overview of the season, and talk about the team's over-under win bet, and then give the team's biggest strength and weakness. Today, we're kicking things off with the Atlanta Falcons. So, starting with the quarterback position, they have Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, and Felipe Franks. Also, I wanted to acknowledge that in today's episode, instead of using ESPN's depth chart to see what the current rosters are, I'm going to be using our lads because I noticed a couple depth pieces weren't there on some of the positions, and I figured it would only add a couple more minutes to the podcast and each episode, so um, just include them and talk about the guys who are going to be fighting for that last spot on the roster spot. So Atlanta's quarterback room is pretty uninspiring at this point. Mariota will likely be the starter again for the first time since being benched for Ryan Tannehill back in 2019. Uh, the for- former number two overall pick played pretty all right for an all right te- Titans team, but he wasn't able to elevate the team around him even the way Ryan Tannehill could. After sitting behind Derek Carr in Vegas for two years, where he played the majority of one game in 2020 after an injury to Carr, where in that game he did look good in, can Mariota prove to be more than just like the 25th best quarterback in the league, or is his faith here to be usurped by another quarterback? And then Ritter led the group of five Cincinnati Bearcats to the college football playoffs for the first time ever, and likely the only time in a while. At Cincinnati, um, he was able to show off his quick mental processing and occasionally flashed his 4-5-2 speed, However, this his accuracy was like hit or miss, and he didn't take advantage of his athleticism as much as you'd hope for, constantly getting overwhelmed in the pocket instead of trying to create. We'll see if he can take Mariota's job in year one, especially if this team goes weeks without a win, which isn't out of the question. And then Franks went undrafted last year as a big athletic quarterback with a rocket of an arm, but piss poor accuracy. Uh, reportedly, he's taking reps at tight end this OTA, so we'll see if he'll stick around there or be an emergency QB, what happens there, you know. Last year, Franks ended up throwing one pass, and it was intercepted. So at running back, they have Cordero Patterson, Damian Williams, Tyler Aljair, Kaderi Olison, Jeremy McNichols, Caleb Huntley, Avery Williams, and Keith Smith at fullback. Cordero Patterson had an amazing bounce-back year for the Falcons. The return specialist who struggled at wide receiver throughout his career found his home as a hybrid player, playing about half his snaps at receiver and the other half at running back. He finished the season with over 1,100 total yards and 11 touchdowns, plus an additional 433 yards as a returner. However, teams seemed to figure him out a bit down the stretch with him failing to top 100 yards from week 13 on and only having two total rushing touchdowns with a zero through the air. Did teams really figure him out or will he continue to be an offensive weapon for Atlanta this year? Damian Williams has been a decent running back um, during his time in the league, a backup type, never cracking 500 yards on the ground or 250 air yards in a single season. 
He'll likely be this team's true running back one to start the season as Patterson is more of a gadget type player. So we'll see if he can take advantage of this opportunity, but so far he's looked pretty poor when playing outside of Kansas City. Aldair was a consistent running back at BYU, not really doing too much special at 5'11", 220 worth 4'6 speed, but he was constantly able to get the job done. We'll see if um, we'll see how long it takes him to earn more snaps, as I would be surprised if he didn't end up as the team's RB1 by the end of the season. Olison was drafted in the 5th of 2019 and hasn't done anything yet with the team, having about 100 yards all of last season. McNichols has bounced around the league as a backup receiving back type, playing with Tennessee last season. Um, Huntley, he went undrafted last year but didn't play. Williams was a corner slash return specialist in college, drafted in the fifth last year, and is now actually being converted to play running back. That's why he's listed here. Um, Keith Smith was a pretty average fullback. Um, he doesn't really provide a lot as a receiver, a rusher, or a blocker, but like at least he's providing something, you know. And then for wide receivers, the Falcons have Drake London, Brian Edwards, Olamide Zacchaeus, Auden Tate, Demir Bird, Kaderil Hodge, Frank Darby, Geronimo Allison, Cameron Batson, Tyshawn James, Austin Trammell, Stanley Berryhill, and Jared Bernhardt. London was drafted 8th overall in this past draft, and last season with USC he had 88 catches, over 1,000 yards, and 7 touchdowns in 8 games before breaking his ankle, which is just absolutely, like, obviously incredible. Um, he's going to have to bounce back from that injury and also overcome his lack of speed in the NFL as he was reportedly around like a 4-7 guy. He didn't actually run. Um, but he has shown elite contested catch ability and good route running despite being 6-4-220. It will be interesting to see if he plays outside in like a Mike Evans type role or there's a lot of talk about him being more like a bigger body slot similarly to Michael Thomas. Edwards was really weird for the Raiders last year. Um, the third-year receiver seemed to show up big at the end of games, but was almost a non-factor in the first three quarters. We'll see if he can be more consistent here in Atlanta, and if so, he would be a great number two wide receiver and then a number four option in the passing game if you include Pitts and Patterson. Zacchaeus started off as a deep threat with the Falcons, but last year saw about half his snaps in the slot, where he got more snaps and target, but was less efficient. We'll see how he's deployed this season as the addition of London could move him back to be a more truly um, speedy deep threat on the outside. Auden Tate had a pretty nice sophomore season with the Bengals when they had no talent in that receiving room, but at 6'5", with high 4'6 speed, he got phased out these last few years and only had less than 200 receiving yards in the past two seasons. A new environment and another poor receiving group may be able to help him reignite his career, but it doesn't look all too great for him right now. Bird had a pretty decent uh, season for New England two years ago, and as a speed threat that also has experience both out wide and in the slot, he'll probably be Zacchaeus' backup. Hodge went undrafted back in 2018, but hasn't produced too much in the NFL yet, with a career high of 180 yards. Darby was drafted in the sixth last year, hardly played. Um... Allison, he went undrafted back in 2016 and had a couple decent seasons with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, but looked pretty poor outside of Green Bay. Batson hasn't done much since being an undrafted free agent for Tennessee, even last year with all the injuries they had. 
Um, James, Barry Hill, and Bernhardt are all undrafted free agents this season, and Trent Hill went undrafted last season and didn't play a snap. So for tight ends, they have Kyle Pitts, Anthony Ferkser, Parker Hesse, John Fitzpatrick, John Rain, Tucker Fisk, and Braden Lenius. Kyle Pitts had over a thousand yards last year on only four drops as a rookie. What he did is hardly talked about because he played on a poor Falcons team and he only caught one touchdown all season, but he's one of the best young playmakers in the league. To call him a tight end is a bit of a stretch though, as he played over 40% of his snaps from the slot and about 35% from out wide, with only a little over 20% at inline tight end. At 240 pounds, he's extremely light for a tight end and is practically a glorified receiver, but he's a damn good one and should be an all-pro sooner rather than later. Ferkser has actually played less inline tight end than Pitts these last two seasons, with 13% last season and 10% the season before coming at true inline tight end. He saw his production drop when he was expected to be the number one with Jonu Smith leaving Tennessee to New England, but now that he's firmly behind Pitts, we'll see can his production increase a bit now like as more of a number two type role. And then, so is Hesse going to be Atlanta's real number one? He went undrafted back in 2019 seeing his first snaps last year and was a decent blocker there, not producing much in the past game though. Fitzpatrick was a blocking tight end for Georgia, drafting the sixth this year, and he has a chance to earn that role here if he can beat out Hesse. Um, Rain went undrafted last year, hasn't played any snaps yet, and then Fisk and Lenius are undrafted free agents this season. So for their offensive line, their projected starters right now are Jake Matthews, Jalen Mayfield, Matt Hennessy, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry, with Elijah Wilkerson, Tyler Fraybaugh, Jermaine Fetty, and Rick Leonard backing up at tackle, Justin Schaefer, Ryan Newzill, and Colby Gossett backing up at guard, and Drew Dahlman and Leroy Watson being backup centers. Matthews has been consistently one of the better pass-protecting tackles and a good enough run blocker throughout his career. Now entering his 30s, he should have a couple good years left of his prime. Wilkerson has been a replacement level to backup tackle with some guard flexibility in his four years in Denver, plus last year with uh, Chicago. And then Tyler Vrabel is Tennessee head coach's Mike Vrabel's son, who went undrafted this year out of Boston College. We'll see if he can stick around and make the roster. Um, Mayfield, he might have been the worst offensive lineman in the league last year. As a third-round pick rookie, you'd hope to see some development in year two, but 57 pressures given up from the guard position is absolutely terrible, and he left a lot to be desired as a run blocker. Schaefer definitely has a chance to push Mayfield for a starting job as a six-rounder out of Georgia this year's draft. And then Newsill last year, he went undrafted and didn't play. Hennessy, he's entering year three as a former third-round pick. He definitely took strides last year, especially as a run blocker. We'll see if his pass protection can step up this year to make him one of the better young centers. Dahlman, he was drafted in the fourth last year and didn't start, but he did come in for some snaps at center, playing pretty well for a rookie. And then Watson is an undrafted free agent this season. Lindstrom is entering year four after being drafted in the first and has shown steady year-on-year improvement, looking to cement himself as a top guard and be paid one like one after this season. Gotten was drafted in the 6th of 2018, barely playing and is more of a backup type. Um, McGarry, he was drafted later in the first round of 2019, the same draft as uh, Lindstrom, but so far it has not worked out. Now in year 4, with his 5th year option declined, he needs to take a huge step forwards if he wants to keep starting in this league.
if Eddie disappointed as a first rounder for the Seahawks back in 2016 and after two poor years in Chicago where he also dealt with injuries he looks to push McGarry for the starting gig but will likely just be their swing tackle and then Leonard has not played an offensive snap since being drafted in the fourth round back in 2018. Along the interior defensive line they have Grady Jarrett, Marlon Davidson, Taquan Graham, Anthony Rush, Vincent Taylor, Nick Thurman, Timmy Horn, Bryce Rogers, and Derek Tangelo. Grady Jarrett is one of the league's best defensive tackles. Um, he definitely had a bit of a down year, year last year with only the 36 pressures and one sack, but he also didn't have much help around him, and hopefully with an improved line, he can return to his dominant form, but it might be a stretch calling this an improved line. Um, Davidson, he's definitely struggled so far in his career as a lighter interior offensive or defensive lineman. Um, he definitely hasn't been able to take advantage of his speed to win along the inside, and he's at risk of being phased out here if he doesn't take a year three jump. Um, Graham, he got a lot of snaps as a rookie fifth rounder last year and hopefully can progress in year two, as in year one he wasn't much of a factor when he was on the field. Rush is a very solid run-stuffing nose tackle, but he isn't really going to provide much in the passing situations. He'll likely see a lot of snaps in early downs. Taylor has bounced around the league since being a six-round pick in 2017. Last year spent with Houston, where he did end up starting week one, but he got injured and missed most of the year, or missed the rest of the year. Um, Thurman, he went undrafted back in 2018. He's hardly played any snaps yet. And then Horn, Roger, and Tangelo are all undrafted free agents from this class, so we'll see if any of them can stick. And then at edge defender, we have Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Ebichetti, D'Angelo Malone, Adentacumpo Gundage, Quentin Bell, Jordan Brailford, and Kwani Dang. Um, wow. Yeah. So, this group is something, definitely. <laughs> um, in three seasons with New York, Carter, he averaged about 30 pressures and five sacks. I'm not including his 20, ca 20 campaign in this because he missed most of it. Um, he definitely saw some untapped potential, but I'm not overly confident that Atlanta is going to be the one to unlock it, and he's going to be the number one threat along the edge. Playing next to Garrett should help him avoid double teams, but so far he's been a number three, maybe a number two at best. Um, Ebiketti, he was drafted in the second this year and could easily become this team's number one. Last year with Penn State, he had um, 12 sacks, and during the combine, he recorded a 91st percentile vertical jump and a 96th percentile broad jump. Hopefully, Atlanta can um, help him hit the ground running and start unlocking his potential immediately because they need it. Malone was also drafted in this class um, in the third round at Western Kentucky and should see significant pass rush snaps as a rotational ed piece early on. Ogundaje was forced into a starting role last year due to poor play along this line, and as a rookie fifth rounder, he did not look great. Hopefully, as a death piece, he can fit in nicely where he doesn't need to be relied upon as much, but he definitely needs more development to be an impact player. Bell was drafted in the seventh round of 2019 after playing wide receiver at the FCS level. As an athletic project who hasn't played yet, we'll see if Atlanta can do anything with him to make him into a true edge rusher. Brailford has also hardly played since being drafted in the 7th back in 2019, and then Dang was an undrafted free agent in this class. At linebackers, they might have Deion Jones, and then they have Rashawn Evans, Michael Walker, Troy Anderson, Nick Kwiatkowski, Dorian Etheridge, Rashad Smith, and Nathan Landman. 
So Jones is one of the best cover linebackers with Atlanta's for years, but he had his worst season last year and carries a hefty price tag. Now he's dealing with injuries and potentially wants out so he can go to a more competitive team, so he might not even be a Falcon when the season starts. Evans, he's more of a traditional linebacker and is better against the run than the pass. With a pretty deep room, I wonder if he mostly sees early downs and is rotated out against run look or sorry, and is rotated out against pass looks. Walker is an ascending cover linebacker entering year three after being drafted in the fourth round. He should see a lot of snaps this year, especially if Jones isn't on the team. And then Troy Anderson is a really fun player, as someone who played quarterback, running back, and linebacker for Montana State. Last year was his first full year at linebacker, so we'll see if this rookie second rounder can continue his development and see significant playing time. Kwiatkowski has shown flashes throughout his time in Chicago and then Las Vegas, but he lost the starting role last year in Vegas and will likely be back up again here in Atlanta. Etheridge, he went undrafted last year and didn't play at all. Smith, he's hardly played since being undrafted back in 2020, and then Landman went undrafted this season. So at cornerback, they have A.J. Terrell, Casey Hayward, Isaiah Oliver, Darren Hall, Mike Ford, Tease Tabor, Cornell Armstrong, Corey Ballantyne, Lafayette Pitts, Matt Hankins, and D. Alford. A.J. Terrell broke out in a huge way last season, playing like a top three corner in the league despite being on one of the worst defenses. At only 23 years old, he should just be entering his prime and be a lockdown corner for years. And then Hayward reemerged last year as a quality cornerback despite his age. He definitely slowed down as the season went on, but he should help make this into a potentially great cornerback duo. Isaiah Oliver looked bad out as an outside cornerback earlier in his career, but has lo- looked better in the slot, where he's likely to start for the Falcons this year. He's been disappointing for a second round pick, but maybe he can re- rejuvenate his career as a slot player. Hall didn't play great last year when called upon as a fourth round rookie out of San Diego State but he should just be a backup this year, which hopefully he can learn behind Terrell and Hayward. Ford hasn't done too much since being undrafted back in 2018. And then Tabor, he played poorly as a cornerback in the second round for Detroit. And last year, he played a bit of safety for Chicago. He's listed as a cornerback for Atlanta right now, but we'll see where he plays when the season starts. Armstrong hasn't played much since being drafted in the sixth out of 2018. And then Ballantyne played the most in his career as a rookie six-round slot in 2019, but didn't play much at all in 2020 and didn't see a snap in 2021. Pitts went undrafted back in 2016, but hasn't seen defensive snaps in years, and Hankins and Alford are both undrafted free agents from this season. So at safety, the Falcons have Eric Harris, Richie Grant, Dean Marlowe, Jalen Hawkins, Trey Webb, and Brad Hawkins. Harris is the inconsistent safety, once or twice a season looking great, but also having some terrible games mixed in there. If he can be a little bit more consistent, this would help Atlanta out a bunch. Grant, he was drafted in the second last year to be a fast, rangy, free safety, but didn't see the field too often. Hopefully he can get on the field more and start to produce like how he's expected coming out. If Grant can't step it up though, the Falcons brought over Marlowe, who started last year for the Lions and played out about a replacement level. Um, but that's obviously better than backup level. And then Mayfield was drafted in the fourth round last year back in 2020, seeing the field a bit last year, but not playing too great. Hopefully he takes a step up in year three. And then Webb and Hawkins are both undrafted free agents from this season. At special teams, they have Young Hoku at kicker, 
Dom Maggio at punter with Seth Vernon competing with him and Liam Mikolov at um, long snapper. Koo is one of the league's best kickers, not missing a PAT last season and only missing two field goals all year. Maggio went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played for the team yet, so him and undrafted free agent Seth Vernon will battle it out for the starting job. And then McCullough has been the backup snapper for the Raiders since being undrafted back in 2020, and now he gets his chance to step it up and start for the Falcons. Alright, so now it's time for my season overview projection. Um, I'm going to give like their win floor and ceiling that I believe. Um, they're a pessimistic outlook on the season and optimistic, as well as talk about their over-under, whether or not I think they can hit it, and then their biggest strength and weakness. At the end of all these episodes, I'm going to be doing my true um, win projection for each team and then also do a playoff prediction. So, pessimistically, I think this team could end up with a number one overall pick, going 2-15. and 15. Something that could lead to that is Mariota reminding us all why he was benched. And either he plays all year or when Ritter comes in, he looks like a third-round rookie quarterback. Um, Patterson, he looks figured out, and no one behind him is able to do anything at running back. Not that it matters. Um, London definitely struggles to find his footing as a rookie, and no one else on this receiving depth chart produces at all. Like, it's not the best when you look at it. Um, Pitts, he's a lone bright spot on this offense, but even he can't carry it all and look amazing in such a bad situation. This offensive line struggles outside of Matthews and Lindstrom. Um, Grady Jarrett, he looks bad again with no one else helping him. He's just getting double, triple teams left and right, and the rest of this defensive line looks atrocious. Ebiketti, sadly, he can't step up as a rookie, and Jones, he doesn't play whether he's cut, traded, injured, whatever, and the rest of the linebackers all struggle as they're all young guys or washed-up vets. Terrell, he takes a slight step backwards after an amazing season, and Hayward does look old out there. Grant can't step it up at safety, and the rest of the room is... Um, inconsistent in their play and poor optimistically i still don't see the season going too well um i don't see them winning more than six games this season like i know they won seven games last year but they had matt ryan and they traded him away i i don't think this team got better this offseason um optimistically though either mariota has a bit of a career resurgence or ritter shows some promise as a rookie patterson he continues to look like a great weapon on the offensive side and Algier takes the true running back role by the horns London looks good for a rookie and Edwards becomes a bit more consistent with Pitt continuing to look like a star on the outside and inside potentially even an all pro in his second year this offensive line still struggles but at least it's viable and Grady Jarrett starts playing amazing again with Ebiketti looking pretty good for a rookie the rest of the defensive line at least shows some potential, whether it's Carter or any of these other young guys. And Walker and Anderson both look like a great duo, even if Jones doesn't return to the team. Um, Terrell and Hayward, they could be one of the best cornerback duos in the league. And Grant looks good at free safety, and Harris becomes a bit more consistent. Um, and then with this team's win total, I found it at four and a half wins. And this team definitely is in the running for the number one overall picks. Um, they somehow won more games last year than they should have, but I don't think that um, that's going to repeat. The under on four and a half right here isn't the craziest thing in the world, and if I had to pick one, I probably would go under. And then their biggest strength I put are their cornerbacks. While 
they don't have any depth at cornerback, so they really need them to stay healthy and Hayward to play like early season Hayward or Chargers Hayward. Um, the top two duo could be the greatest in the league. Like if Pitts plays to the best of his, or if Hayward plays to the best of, if Hayward can play to the best of his ability though, then Kyle Pitts is probably their greatest strength. He's a truly special player. And their biggest weakness on their roster, I'm going to put on, is their edge rushers. Edge rusher is one of the most important pieces on the team. However, someone forgot to tell the Falcons. This might be the worst position group in all of sports in the NFL, unless Carter can hit some of his potential, or at least start to scratch it, and Ebiketti looks good as a rookie. If not, this group is going to be horrendous. Alright, so that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed. If you're on YouTube, leave a like, comment, subscribe, go tell your friends about it. I want to start um, getting this into some recommended feeds. If you're uh, listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, go spread the word, and I'll see you guys all next time.